Good afternoon, everybody, or good morning, depending where you are in the world. Alex, hi, how are you doing? Yeah, not bad. Daryl, nice to see you again online. <laughs> it's not like I don't see you often. I'm happy to see all our audience joining. Today, we've got quite a bit on our agenda, and Alex is going to be running the show as he's the expert, and I just asked the question. We're going to go straight in. We're going to start off with February updates. So please, Alex. It's yours. When I said to Daniel, there's nothing to talk about, he said, Alex, never say there's nothing to talk about. But honestly, if I look at the February updates, not about your questions. We have lots of questions that we get through our website and through LinkedIn. But Microsoft, you kind of look at it and think from the licensing standpoint, the news from February are almost like meh. Nothing interesting. However, there is a significant, I would say, epochal thing, which those who follow Microsoft know that it's been getting there. They just needed to update the website. But essentially, Software Assurance, the Microsoft's maintenance subscription, has become purely about licensing benefits. The last non-licensing benefit is gone. And Daryl, you probably remember when Software Assurance was introduced. And I remember talking in 2009 to Heather Young, who used to work for Microsoft as the head of the inside, taking care of licensing. I don't remember the exact position of Heather, but she was taking care of software asset management, licensing, consolidating all this knowledge. Her team was behind creating the first product terms, product use rights documents, and consolidating that data and making sure it's streamlined. When I said in one of the conferences in Redmond in the States that software shows is just upgrade rights, I was quite young and green at the time. She got, I would even say, offended because she said, no, we design software shows and software shows include support, vouchers for training, other things. And it seems like everything that was on top of licensing benefits is now completely gone. I think we're witnessing a completely new era with Microsoft. First of all, it's not surprising. It was in the works, to my opinion. Again, everything goes back to subscription slash online licensing. You know that Microsoft is not moving, has moved, okay? It's happened already. Everything that's still on software assurance, license plus software assurance, I would almost say it's history. Microsoft wants to get rid of it. It's going to take years because the mass of licenses that are out there is still huge, but it's a gradual change. Microsoft is saving a lot of money on their software assurance benefits by removing them. And it's just an obvious move. It's just part of the overall cloud first initiative. And they get rid of support to sell unified support. support. You don't have a unified support contract then you basically zero support directly for Microsoft. And we touched on it during our unified support contract. And I'm actually very proud of it. We were contacted directly by Microsoft, pointing out a few sour points from their side that we brought up that maybe they didn't want us to talk about. And that is the overall increase in unified support costs year on year once your contract renews and your 365 and Azure spend increases, your overall unified support contract increases even though your actual utilization and benefits of the unified support don't change and microsoft wasn't very happy about that but that's why we're here we have to tell you the real story i would like to clarify something about this whole conversation she said one thing that made me think whether she's right or not she said you're bashing us you don't like us and i wouldn't say it. it's true we like microsoft 
I used to promote Microsoft. In the end of the 90s, I was a moderator of a whole set of online conferences that were dedicated to Windows NT. So I'm an old Microsoft fan. I like the innovation. I like what they do with ChatGPT. I like what they do with Bing. I like what they're doing with Windows Server. SQL Server, I love that product always. People were bashing Microsoft, but come on. SQL Server is a fantastic product. We are all for clarity. It's very simple. Clarity, clarity. Microsoft, excellent company, but nothing against Microsoft. Yet, it's complex. You ask two different people at Microsoft the same licensing question, you're going to get three different answers. Okay? <laughs> it is complex. There must be a room full of just historical licensing terms that are still in place for certain products. And even unified should be simple. It's a complex licensing schema for the support. So we have to bring clarity. That's all it is. If we make mistakes, correct us. But if you don't make mistakes, just say it. Yeah, it's all about the truth. The other update from February, which caught my attention, I wouldn't say it's revolutionary. Microsoft clarified the prerequisites for universal print add-ons. What is universal print? It's an Azure service, online service, which helps you consolidate and centralize all your printing jobs through a central Azure point. You need to have universal print compatible printers, so they also should be able to connect to Azure and download the print jobs. And it's licensed in a very simple way. Multiply the number of users with those licenses and normal E3 and D5 are included. Even F3 is included in those licenses. You may not know that, but you already have five print jobs per month per user. So you can implement it now. If you have a thousand users, you have 5,000 print jobs. Very few companies print more really these days. So digital now. But if you want more, there are add-ons and works in a very simple manner. When you have a base license, you can buy add-ons. And otherwise, all the rest is we updated privacy policies. We did that. I'm not saying it's not important. It's affecting less than 1% of the clients. I've just remembered something that we had a conversation with a customer not long ago. Microsoft, you said, makes subtle changes. For example, I don't know how many of our customers actually use Azure Active Directory P1 kiosk. It's a very mm -hmm. light skew very lightweight in price. So just for an example, Microsoft is discontinuing that skew. You cannot purchase that anymore. So that low entry level has gone. And now you need to buy the Azure Active Directory P1, not the kiosk. Again, it might not look like a big change, but if you have a very large estate and a euro, a euro and a half uplift, can easily be tens of thousands of additional spend per year very easily. That is the kind of subtle changes that always go on. And that's why it's really so important just to stay up to date and look at the product use rights and just see the changes and be aware because those small changes have a huge impact on your overall budget. Can I add something to continue what you just said? A client of ours, a multinational company, is upset with what Microsoft did with Teams Premium. Whether you know or not, Microsoft again, in the end of the last year, 2022, said, on top of the Teams that you get for free, and pay attention to the wording, free Teams. It's not free, it's part of your package. You're paying for it because you're paying for your Office 365 subscription, whether it's $6 per user per month or $50 per user per month, you're paying for it. It's not free, but they're calling it free. 
Now we have premium teams with new features. It's seven to ten dollars per user per month, depending on the price. There are new features. What Microsoft did is they removed four features. I don't remember the entire list. They removed four features from the free teams and moved it to the premium subscription. And one of them is critical for multinationals. It's the real-time translation. Now you have to pay for it. So you're already paying for your E3. You already negotiated your E5. You worked with us. We got your discount. And then suddenly you are given, what is it, 60 or 90 days to adapt to the changes. That's the wording. Come on. Maybe it's a very expensive feature. Maybe they're paying lots of royalties to companies that develop that AI that translates. I understand that. It still feels unfair. It still just doesn't fit right in my system of values. But Microsoft being Microsoft, I'm not saying it's bad. Just be aware. So, clarity, clarity, clarity. I want to jump a couple of questions, if I may, because I want to try to keep the things flowing. Windows Server VMs. There have been quite a few questions about assigning licenses per VM, multiple licenses per host. Can you maybe just give us some clarity what's going on there? Is it enough to assign licenses to each VM? Every VM is less than eight cores. So with Windows Server 2022, Microsoft introduced per virtual machine licensing. If you're familiar with how SQL Server is licensed per virtual machine, it works exactly in the same way. Why the minimum of eight was mentioned in the question is that unlike SQL, where the minimum per virtual machine is four cores, the minimum for Windows Server is eight cores. So that's first thing. Now, instead of licensing the host, you may license Windows Server per virtual machine with the licenses of the most recent version. And there are two requirements in addition to the minimum of eight cores. One, these licenses must be covered with active software assurance. And all the CALs as well must be covered with software assurance, which could be a problem for small businesses. But assuming that small business has cows with software assurance. All right, in that case, you may assign it there. What I didn't ask that gentleman that asked me this question this morning yet is what is the hypervisor? Because if the hypervisor, the operating system of the hosts is Windows Server, then you still need to license the hypervisor. It becomes complicated. But if this cluster is purely VMware, then in that case, you may license it per virtual machine. And yeah, you may do that. Do I need multiple licenses per the number of hosts or is it license mobility for Windows Server? So this question stems from the requirements for the previous licenses before 2022. If you license them with say license stacking, standard licenses, you basically needed to license every host for all the VMs in the cluster, wherever they are, doesn't matter. You would have to multiply it by the number of hosts. Fortunately, Windows Server and System Center now have license mobility in server farms, which means you license it per virtual machine once, and wherever those VMs are traveling, the license may follow the virtual machines like it was with SQL Server before. You need a say or a subscription. You need a say or subscription on the CALs. It's the benefit of the so-called flexible virtualization. We have an article about it. We have a couple of videos already on the channel about flexible virtualization. We mentioned it in every recent training. So yeah, if you follow us, you've heard about it. If you don't, I would suggest you go to someexpert.com 
to the blog and read the article about flexible virtualization there. It's probably the most positive change in the Microsoft licensing in years. The last part of the initial question, is mixing different licenses on a host acceptable or not? That is a complicated question that requires a complicated answer. If this question would be about the traditional licensing or current licenses without software assurance, then by no means, don't mix. A host must be licensed with the same version and the same edition. And I made that mistake before. Microsoft didn't enforce it. It's never been mentioned, still not mentioned in product terms. The only place where Microsoft says that is the Windows Server Licensing Guide. And there's a big question mark whether in a proper legal dispute that's going to stand in court. But, you know, when it goes to court, we're not litigating against Microsoft. We are following the rules. And the rule is, and they enforce it now, Every single core of the host must be licensed with exactly the same version and the same edition. And I have my reservations about it. We will release a video about it, a real story when the company suffered, when they learned that. But it is what it is. Mixing legacy licenses at the physical level plus adding per VM of the current version is a big question mark because the opinion from the people very close to Microsoft, not Microsoft themselves, very close to Microsoft, I won't call names, is that's fine it's an opinion it's an expert opinion of somebody who's informed it's not explicitly written anywhere unless i missed it the follow-up question can you please explain from a hyper-v environment again in case of virtual machines do we need extra licenses i specifically went today to the product terms to the windows server licensing page maybe i need to look up universal licensing terms but i don't think so and try to find that an exception when Windows Server is only used to virtualize other virtual machines. Microsoft actually did have it around 2010, 2012. I may be wrong, but it's around that time, plus minus two years. They actually allowed Windows Server to be free if it was only used for Hyper-V, like VMware does. It's not there now. And in licensing, if something isn't written explicitly, it doesn't exist. So what I didn't check, and that makes sense, connected to what I just said before, is the Windows Server licensing guide. I would suggest that you do it yourself. We're going to do it ourselves as well. Just to refresh our memory, maybe Microsoft forgot. They're getting sloppy. I'm sorry. They forgot to update product terms, forgot to include that in the product terms. But I don't see, in the product terms, I do not see an ability, a permission, to not license the hypervisor. Assuming that potentially you could use either Windows Server Standard or Windows Server Data Center just for the purposes of Hyper-V. In that case, you would still need to license it for the hardware layer, unless we find that exception. If you want to stay on the safe side, just completely safe side, then yes, you need to license Windows Server for the hypervisor level. Use the SXI and it's free. Can we license Windows Server VMs hosted on Azure that are managed by System Center with CIS licenses? Thank you for that question. <laughs> Such a good question. I don't know the answer. Product terms is completely unclear. And I asked other experts, everybody's lost as well. So in theory, license mobility for System Center has always existed, but the rules are for dedicated hosts. There's no clarity around how to bring System Center licenses onto any shared public cloud infrastructures. There's no clarity, really. We have it in our Splat videos somewhere. Otherwise, just purely for Azure Hybrid Benefit, you can use Core Infrastructure Suite licenses for Azure Hybrid Benefit 
But I'm not sure about managing those machines with your on-premises system sensor. It's not explicitly granted. It's not explained by Microsoft. As we said, licensing is not simple. Very, very complex. Alex, let's take one quick last question. We want to buy Defender for Endpoint for servers, but we are confused by the requirement to have a combined minimum of prerequisite licenses. The licensing info is ambiguous. We are a small company. Again, product service is bizarrely quiet on this entire product, Defender for Endpoint server. The SKU is there, you can buy it, but then there's a minimum requirement of E5A5 or 365A5 security subscription licenses. I think it's 50. You must buy one of those. I want to use it for my service. Why can't I buy it? There is a way. What we discovered when we researched this for a client of ours yesterday and this morning, there's an Azure service. I told you, knowing everything in Microsoft is almost impossible these days, which is called Defender for Cloud for service. And there are no minimum limits on Defender for Cloud for Service. It includes and automatically installs Defender for Endpoint for Service. Use the Azure connector called Azure Arc to connect to Azure, and you will be able to deploy it on-premises as well. I didn't see any minimal requirements on the pricing calculator. By the way, you won't find that in product terms. You will only find it in the Azure pricing calculator again. Microsoft Defender for Cloud. It's there. Thank you for that final answer. A very unique question that we received from our customers. We've come to the top of our Q&A session. I want to, first of all, thank our participants and the questions that were raised. Thank you. It's enriching. It's challenging for us. So we like that. Alex, as always, it's a pleasure. And I'm looking forward to next week. Thank you very Thanks, much. Thank, thank you, everybody. Bye. See you next week. Bye. Cheers. Bye. Bye-bye.